morning comes from Numbers chapter 9, verses 15 through 23. And I'm going to give you a warning before I read it. It sounds pretty repetitive. You may, may think we accidentally duplicated a slide or I skipped back a paragraph at some point. That's not what happened. It's just a very repetitive section of Scripture. Um, so notice how many times we're told kind of similar things over and over and over. And at some point, you might want to yell out, oh, okay, we get it. Um, but here is Numbers chapter 9, verses 15 to 23. On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant. And from evening until morning, it was over the tabernacle, having the appearance of fire. It was always so. The cloud covered it by, night, by, by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, then the Israelites would set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, there the Israelites would camp. At the command of the Lord, the Israelites would set out, and at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they would remain in camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the Israelites would keep the charge of the Lord and would not set out. Sometimes the cloud would remain a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they would remain in camp. Then, according to the command of the Lord, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud would remain from evening until morning, and when the cloud lifted in the morning, they would set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they would set out. Whether it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, resting upon it, the Israelites would remain in camp and would not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the command of the Lord, they would camp, and at the command of the Lord, they would set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for scripture that teach us, teaches us so much about who you are and how you relate to your people. God, we pray that you will open up the scripture for us this morning and speak your words to us through it. And may you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I really like to camp. How many of you really like to camp? We've got a few hands. We have several hands. Okay, good. We've got some half hands. Those are the people that like to camp, but they don't love sleeping outside. They like everything else. Um, but I really like to camp. I don't get to do it very often, but I really enjoy almost everything about it. Starting with weeks before, even just planning the trip. That's fun for me. Where are we going to go? What are we going to take? That's a really important thing. What are we going to eat while we're there is a really important part of a successful camping trip. I like all of that. I like uh, the anticipation of, of driving to wherever you're camping. And it's best if there's some hiking to get to the camp spot in my mind. I love the hike to the camp spot. And I love, one of my favorite parts, is when you get to where you're camping and you organize your campsite. You know, where, if you have a tent, where is it going to go? Uh, I camp in a hammock, so what trees am I going to use to hang this hammock up? You know, is there a fire pit? Do we have to, to build one? Where is that going to go? All of that, for some reason, I don't know why, is really fun for me. I even like sleeping outside. There's one part of camping that I hate. I just really don't like at all. And that is when it's time to pack up and leave. 
tearing down a campsite, trying to fit it all back into whatever you use to bring it, it's, it's just not fun. And everything you're putting away is a reminder that this is now over. We have to, we have to go somewhere else. I have to go home, usually. Um, I, love, I love camping. Uh, I got an opportunity in high school and then again a little bit later in life to go on uh, backpacking trips in the Appalachian Trail, where every day you hike a certain number of miles, then you set up your campsite, you cook dinner, you crash, and then the next morning you wake up, tear down the campsite, and do it all over again. Do that for a week. Uh, and really, really enjoyed it. Uh, both times I did that, it was with a group around 12 to 15 people. I want you, when you're thinking about this story, to imagine a much larger group of people. See, my guess is those of you who go camping don't go with more than five or six or maybe 10 or 12 at most. The Israelites had just been saved out of Egypt. Moses has uh, brought them through the Red Sea. God has brought them through the Red Sea through Moses and has led them in the wilderness to Mount Sinai. They get the Ten Commandments and they kind of are, are camping around the base of the mountain getting organized. And that's when the book of Numbers begins. They take a census to, to know who we have here. Um, yeah, Harold's really excited about the, the census. <laughs> they take a census to know how many people they have. Because they need to be organized. Because God is telling them how to go about camping. And when I think about camping, I think about a relatively small group of people. But we're talking about a much larger group. God tells them to put the tabernacle in the middle and then tells them specifically how to organize themselves around the tabernacle. Now, I'll show you this picture for just a second. It's, it's probably not super accurate, but it's somebody's rendition of what that campsite would have looked like. Uh, you see the tabernacle in the middle with smoke coming around it, uh, all above it, and then the, the tribes are all organized around it. Um, and the book of Numbers kind of lays out how the tribes were to camp. And I want you to imagine something similar to this when you're thinking about this story of the Israelites camping under the cloud. Okay, We're not talking about a few people. We're talking about a huge number of people. This isn't the first time the cloud makes an appearance to the Israelites. Now, Exodus 19 tells us about the coming of the cloud. Exodus 19 uh, verses 16 through 18 say this, and listen to this appearance of the cloud. On the morning of the third day there was thunder and lightning as well as a thick cloud on the mountain and a blast of a trumpet so loud that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. They took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended upon it in fire. The smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln, while the whole mountain shook violently. And so this cloud is well established to be representing the presence of God in the midst of the people. God has come down to be near to the people. And this cloud accompanies his presence. 
Our scripture this morning is a pretty general description of what's happening in the wilderness. It's not telling a specific story of the Israelites wandering through the wilderness. Uh, it's, it's telling us more a general description about how they went about doing it. Think about the temptations the Israelites could have faced. They would have had a temptation to just try to make it out of the wilderness. Not to wait on the cloud to move, but to try to take the fastest path away from the wilderness. Let's get out of here. They would have had a temptation maybe to say, if we're not going to leave the wilderness now, let's just like set up our roots right here and stay. The hardest thing to do would be to say, let's just follow the cloud. Let's wait and be patient. Move when it moves. Stop when it stops. That is a much harder thing for them to do. Moses has already shown on an individual level his willingness to wait on the Lord. Earlier in chapter 9, uh, the Israelites are being given instructions about celebrating the Passover. And some of the Israelites come to Moses with a question about something that was unclear uh, in their instructions earlier. So they come to Moses and they ask him this question, and it would have been really easy for Moses to just tell them what he thinks they should do, whatever Moses thought was best. He was their leader, they were following him. It would have been really easy for him to just Tell them what he thought was best. But that's not what Moses does. In verse 8 of this very same chapter, we are told that Moses says, Wait, so that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Really important word there, wait. A question about how this community should move forward was posed to their leader. And their leader said, Wait, we need to listen for what God says to us concerning you. Before we move forward, we need to wait. We need to pause and listen to the Lord. So now I've kind of located where Israel is in this story. Right? They've come out of Egypt. They've come through the Red Sea. They've been given the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. And now they're getting organized for a long journey that is really just beginning. It's a strange time for them. But now I'd like to locate where we are in this story. Because no, we're not wandering through a wilderness. Um, no, we're not all out camping together, although that would be pretty fun. But we are in a really strange time, are we not? I mean, first, this coronavirus pandemic forces us to completely close the building and shift to a completely different way of worshiping together. Even now that we've reopened, it's kind of a hybrid of the old way and what we've kind of figured out. With those of you joining us in the sanctuary, socially distanced, wearing masks, and those of you joining us on Facebook in your homes. It's strange. <laughs> We are also literally in the very middle of a transition between one senior pastor and another. And now we are also living through what happens to be an enlightenment to racial injustice all over the country. 
All of this should make us pause and ask the question, where is God leading us as a church? I want to suggest that there are easy answers to these questions, and then there are more difficult questions, answers to these hard questions. So I'm going, to, I'm going to pose three questions to us this morning. All of them are related to the strangeness that we find ourselves in as a community. And, and like Moses, I'm not going to just suggest an answer. I'm going to suggest that the answer to all three of these questions is that we need to wait and we need to watch the cloud to see where it is moving us as a community. So the, the first question is, is about... Is about this quarantine. What does our post-quarantine worship look like? And just because we're reopening, it doesn't mean we're going back to the way it was. We've already found new ways to take up offerings, to celebrate Holy Communion. We no longer have handshake lines after the service. We don't have Wednesday night meals. Hopefully a lot of these things will come back. But I'd like to suggest that we have an opportunity because we've been forced to pause before we long to go back to exactly the way things were before we need to wait and we need to watch the cloud the second question is is about the the pastoral transition we find ourselves in the middle of what does the post Greg Gallagher era look like The easy answer is, let's wait and see what Pastor Phil says when he gets here, and we'll just do that. To some extent, we will. We have senior pastors for a reason, right? Throughout Scripture, the people of God have had leaders or shepherds to direct them. But remember that the people, the Israelites, they followed the cloud as a collective. They didn't just mindlessly follow Moses through the wilderness. They followed the cloud together with Moses' leadership. Our scripture this morning ended with the phrase, they kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. We do wait for Pastor Phil and his vision with, with excitement and anticipation. We trust that his eyes are on the cloud, even as we keep our eyes on the cloud. We have an opportunity to pause and wait on the Lord. Perhaps the hardest question, one that would have been much easier for me to not ask this morning. What is our church's role right now as an overwhelmingly white congregation? Whatever your feelings about politics, the protests happening around the country, whether or not you support the taking down of statues, the more important question is how do we as a church respond to our black brothers and sisters when they cry out and say they are hurting? I've been honored to be a part of a group of pastors here in Georgetown who are having discussions with each other about these issues. Pastors of of different races. I even had an opportunity to go to the Georgetown police station and meet with some of the officers, um, with, with some fellow pastors here in Georgetown. It was a great discussion. 
Did you know our Georgetown Police Department has already rewritten some of their code to respond to the things that are happening over the past few weeks? As a church that lacks racial diversity in large part, the easy thing for us to do would be to do nothing. To individually make Facebook posts supporting whatever views we have. The harder thing to do is to seek what God would have us do together as a church. To ask, where is he moving? And watch and wait. Now, watching and waiting doesn't mean doing nothing. But it means keeping our eyes on Jesus. And watching for his direction. The cloud served another purpose for the Israelites. It wasn't just a visual GPS through the wilderness. It was a constant visual reminder that they weren't all out there doing their own thing. They weren't on their own. God was with them and they moved together. It wasn't a reminder that God was was somewhere distant off in heaven. It was a reminder of God's nearness with his people. The cloud has not left. When I said that in the earlier service, I saw uh, some of the kids that were there look look up, like, is there a cloud in here? What's Jeremy talking about? The cloud has not left. I want to remind you of, of a couple more stories in Scripture that have to do with clouds. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus travels up a mountain with some of his closest disciples. And up at the top of this mountain, some very strange things happen. One of those strange things is they were all enveloped in a cloud. And then the cloud spoke. (laughs) And the voice of God came from the cloud, spoke to the disciples and said, This is my son. Which is important. But then it also said, Listen to him. You see, the very same God that led the Israelites through the wilderness spoke audibly to the disciples and said, listen to Jesus. Listen to his leadership. Move where he moves. Follow him. And then another story in the New Testament in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus ascends into heaven, he was taken up in a cloud. And then in the very next chapter, a gust of wind filled a room that the followers of Jesus were in. And fire split and rested on each of them, what appeared to be fire. This cloud takes the form of fire at night. The Spirit of God that led the Israelites in the wilderness said, listen to Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration. And it also filled all of the disciples in the early church. And his spirit is with us as a church and as a community here today. Over the past few months, it could be easy to feel like we as a church have all just been out there doing our own thing. My hope is that this scripture this morning can be a reminder to us that we are not alone. 
The cloud is a visual reminder of the presence of God in the midst of his people. As we move along in this strange year through pandemics, pastoral transitions, and racial protests, this is an opportunity that we are called to live, to remember that we are called to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ, who through his spirit in us is the head of his church. All of this strangeness going on in 2020 is an opportunity for us as a church to pause and say, we as a community are going to wait on the Lord and we are going to move where he moves and we're going to follow him. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this story in scripture that teaches us how you led your people through the wilderness. God of the cloud in Numbers chapter 9. God who sent the prophets to direct the people throughout the Old Testament. God who sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. And God who sent your spirit to be with the early church. And send your spirit to be with us today. Guide and direct our every movement. Give us the patience to wait on you. Give us ears that hear your voice. Give us the courage to go where you are leading. In Jesus' name, amen.